Welcome to Mad Femmes, where we will be recapping the very first episode, the premiere of the new season of Mad Men. I'm Rachel Horowitz in Oakland. I'm Shannon Bowen, also in Oakland. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. And I'm Brandi Sperry in Seattle. Okay, so we find ourselves in season five um, in new territory because we're about to watch a two-hour episode which has never happened (laughs) and also uh 1966 the fashions have taken a turn i mean i kind of feel like we should just have not that there aren't a lot of fabulous bright prints in this episode a moment of silence for the classiness that has passed (laughs) never to return basically Mm -hmm. the full skirt is gone the crinolines are gone Mm -hmm. jackie o when I compared Dawn's birthday party to that Kentucky Derby party, it was just like, oh, God, what happened? It's a different world. And I know that things did change really quickly in the 60s. Obviously, to get from the 50s to the 70s, you have to be moving at quite a quick clip there. But I was kind of like, it's only been a year, and I feel like everyone looks so different. Everyone's acting so different. There was something about this episode that struck me as like a new pilot episode almost. Like like mm-hmm. half of these characters were being reintroduced to me rather than just seeing what, what was up with them, you know? It, it definitely felt almost like a reunion episode, you know, of the old Mad Men. Yeah, Mad Men the Next Generation. Even Joan, when she pops into the office with her baby, she's, I mean, I, she's so beautiful and curvaceous in her style, but even the print on her dress, it, it seemed a little bit, she seemed a little older than what's going on. Oh, she's, she's definitely still in the past wardrobe wise. I mean, it was kind of jarring to see her after so much of the show with these bright prints and these mini dresses and loose dresses and and then here comes joan in her usual shanghai madam you know dress which looked fabulous but definitely out of touch with different styles megan right off the bat in the morning and her fashions kind of entering the um, agency with dawn she kind of embodied for me the the youth the new youthful fashions going on in the 60s yeah, well, also, I had been really eyeing um, the new secretary, whose name I can't remember, uh, Pete's secretary, who he was so mad at. And I was like, is that a sleeveless dress with cleavage showing in the office right now? Yeah. <laughs> I am floored. I'm so floored. That was shocking. Peggy seems to have regressed. I don't understand <laughs> her yellow dress during the party. I was like, you look like you're 10 years old. <laughs> Oh, that dress. No good. No good. Someone needs to do her colors. She is not a spring. That dress was awful. And that that baggy white blouse and skirt combo she was wearing in the office. Oh, yeah. That plaid was god awful. Like like she got that from her Catholic school when she was 12 or something. I don't know what she was wearing. Yeah. Remember when Peggy kind of came out at that after works drink thing and she looked so fabulous? Mm-hmm. What's, going on? What's going on there? Well, I was shocked that she was wearing a dress from last season, I have to say. <laughs> the one with the stripe down the middle. 
they've always kind of repeated dresses to show that you know Peggy where Peggy has like 10 dresses that she cycles through in the work weeks which is similar to how I live my life so I'm like you go Peggy we don't have a new dress every day but well we need to talk about Trudy's fashion <laughs> oh, oh good god Trudy has embraced the bright seriously Trudy's also embraced the moo moo. Yeah. So the person I'm really excited to see if they transition their fashions is Betty. She's always stayed up with the trends, but of course she wasn't in the pilot. I was so disappointed. Where is Betty? <laughs> We're just going to refer to it as the pilot now for the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the second yeah. half of the 1960s. Right. I mean, it really felt that way to me, but I totally agree. Like it was a bizarre choice not to include her at all. I feel like. It was very bizarre. It's like Betty on a dark hill somewhere in a haunted mansion smoking. Like, <laughs> kind of like creepy. Speaking of fashion, I mean, Betty was ahead of the curve in that episode when they went to Italy. Do you yeah. remember that? Best fashion in Italy. Best yes. fashion in, in Italy. And then when she comes home, she's in this like sort of poochy patterned hostess gown or something. It was and fantastic. Betty Stiley. Yeah. But now she looks sort of like an old lady. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think Betty's missing, and I think it's very blatant. And the only conclusion I can draw is that it's very much the Megan show, this first episode. Ugh. Megan, Megan, Megan. I know. I, so, Therese, tell us how you feel about Megan. <laughs> well... Well, if we're going to resuscitate our uh, beloved segment called Fuck You Bates, <laughs> I would really like to begin it with a Fuck You Megan. Woo! Woo! I think a lot of people agree with you. I think she's kind of a lightning rod character. You either, I don't think you love her. I think you're either like meh or you hate her. I'm like meh. Like, I, I want the writers to do better because I feel like so much of what she did in this episode, it was just like, roll your eyes, ridiculous. Like, really? You've been married to Don for, what, nine months to a year? Um, no, not, not even. It only, it's, this is only eight months after the end of the last season. Okay, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. I was using, like, Joan's baby trying to help me timeline things, but obviously I don't know anything about babies. <laughs> that is enough time to figure out that this is not a man who wants a surprise party but whatever i don't know did you guys pick that up in this episode do you think how do you think don feels about surprise parties i just wish they would have told us that he didn't like it yeah i didn't really get it it was very subtle that part peggy told her that don wouldn't like it peggy knew that don wouldn't like it one of the saddest things to me in this episode was seeing Peggy just so distraught of how she's kind of lost Dawn. They had this strong connection in season four and now, you know, Megan, Megan, Megan. <laughs> and it's to the point where even her barometer is off regarding how he's acting, because I think we were talking before and Teresa was like, Peggy says he's he seems happy and content, but he doesn't seem that way to anyone else. So it's like yeah. she's so far away from him, she doesn't even get him at all anymore you could tell peggy used to love the world in which she was like i had a secret baby and you had a secret identity <laughs> remember yeah yeah we used to bond over that we were cynical we shared went to the diner totally 
And now and Dawn's, like, Dawn's, like, Dawn's like, I'm out of the closet with my old identity. I'm trying to start something new and more open, you know? So let's talk about that scene when we, it is made clear to us that he has already told Megan everything and she is basically using Dick Whitman as a sex game thing or something. <laughs> hey, baby, let's Aww. play Dick Let's play Dick Whitman. Maybe Dick Whitman and I'll be the wife who knows. Seriously, that was the vibe of that whole scene, right? And he was like, I didn't like my party. And she was like, you didn't like your party, Dick Whitman? (laughs) (laughs) Ew, nothing about these two is sexy to me. That's kind of what I feel like. Am I supposed to feel chemistry and sparks or am I supposed to feel kind of weirded out by these two? Yeah, it was kind of like watching bad softcore porn. You just kind of. (laughs) You want to laugh and you feel bad for everybody, including the people watching it. <laughs> the whole like, you don't get this. You don't get this. Oh, don't don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm cleaning in my black lace underwear, but don't look at me, you old man. What yeah. is that? Is that some seduction technique I'm not aware of? Because well, I Apparently. I took it I took it as we know that Dawn likes spankings and being tied up in like S and M stuff. So I, I took it a little bit as Megan gets him. Like she's, Betty kind of tried to contain him and control him. And I feel like Megan is trying to man- manipulate him more. Sure. Here's the thing, though. Um, I don't think Betty's ever had an orgasm. <laughs> like, yeah. There's like a couple sort of like bed scenes with them. I don't even really want to say sex scenes where it's just kind of like, oh, are are you doing that? Is that what we're doing right now? And, you know, they, were, they weren't compatible. And I think that was supposed to be the point of this scene. But that doesn't really mean I need to watch it dragged out for like five minutes at a time. No one wants to watch Don Draper have creepy sex. Apparently, none of us do. And I also think that none of us want to watch Don Draper be apathetic, which he appears to be this season. I think if last season was all about sad Don Draper... This season is shaping up to be boring, Don Draper. Yeah, he's my least favorite character on the show right now. He's just phoning it in. He's phoning it in on one of those awesome, you know, rotary dial phones. But it's still being phoned in. (laughs) It totally is. There's also weird stuff with, with him, like, saying to Megan, I could send you home right now. I have that power. And Megan went home without me. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And uh, weird, weird, creepy control stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like, he's like, I saved this company so I can do whatever I want with it. And just seeing how disappointed Peggy and Pete looked, it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like married to Megan plus not having this big secret has seemed to, you know, lose the, he doesn't have the sense of urgency. Like someone needs to light a fire under his ass. I think that's kind of tied to what um, Trudy tells Pete in their kitchen about some flame of ambition and hunger or whatever her line was. That was the Hunger Games. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Pete because he is having some issues in this episode. Since when did he and Roger just like despise each other so much? I know they've never really been like buddies, but this was weird. Last season where he had to give up the aviation company and yeah. Roger doesn't tell anybody that they've lost the tobacco account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Roger gets on him that like you lost the account. This is all you had to do. 
Yes. Exactly. I think that's, I think the divide, not only between the young and the old on the show, I felt like another theme at the office, especially was a divide between those that are working their asses off and, and folks who are phoning it in, you know? Definitely. And I, if I've, I totally felt for Pete because I'd be pissed too if I'm in this rinky-dink office and I'm bringing in all the business and all Roger does is sit and record his memoirs drinking a (laughs) bottle of vodka. I think Pete is fascinating because even when he does act out in ways that we dislike, I always sort of empathize with his core emotion that's making him act that way. So, I mean, he's a really well-drawn character for me. He makes me think a lot. Definitely. The, he's the anti-bigot voice through this whole, we haven't even talked about the race stuff, but he's the one that keeps having this look of disgust on his face every time they start, you know, just being racist bigots. Every yeah. time you see him and he's just like, ugh, yuck, stop it. Yeah, there is a part of him that's just kind of above that and is just kind of like, all people are customers, which is not like... Is not like the greatest impulse, but is pretty useful when you're talking about issues of civil rights, actually, because that's how we act in a consumerist society. And Pete is definitely the most progressive. The the other interesting part of Pete in this episode is his mourning of his sophisticated single life in the city. You know, and he's definitely family man. He's doing the commute to the suburbs with the other men on the train. You know, he's in a pretty drab, unstylish kitchen. His wife is tired, you know. I mean, it's like revolutionary road for Pete right now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Commuting is soul sucking. It really is. Yeah. Totally. To pretend to like the guys on the train. Uh, oh, that guy is so obnoxious. I would like put in headphones if they. I would invent headphones. <laughs> Wait, he's totally Dawn season one. He is. Oh, he's totally Dawn season one. Yeah, their kitchen even looks like that. I know it did. It was it was lit the same and you know, it comes home to this depressed wife. I don't know, it seemed to me like he felt jealous of how this child is taken his wife, you know. I mean, Trudy used to always be dressed really beautiful. Oh, can I get you a drink? I have a roast in the oven, you know. And now he's like, God damn it, I gotta do everything myself and look at a momo. Well, everyone keeps kind of urging him to cheat too. They're like tired wife at home hello stay late at the office you know but it doesn't seem like he's that comfortable doing that quite yet and i wonder now, if we'll I, see that. pete is one of my favorite characters and pete and trudy are definitely one of my favorite couples and i wish them well i want things to work out i do too i like trudy a lot one of my favorite one of my favorite lines ever is during the suitcase and she's like i need a rare steak and a it's just like whoa I didn't expect that of you yeah Trudy is probably like a tiger in bed (laughs) in those little (laughs) nighties remember those short little little baby dolls she used to wear when she was pregnant yeah yeah word she looked like a pinata (laughs) um okay well let's get to the least fun part of the episode which is racism Yay, um, Yay, racism. I thought that opening scene was so lame. It's just like there were so many better ways you could have shown we're in a different era. We have civil rights issues. And it was just, it went nowhere. It was dumb. And so based on a true story. Yeah, there was was a New York Times piece 
today um, that was about how it was totally based on a New York Times piece from 1966. And my response is, who cares? You know, yeah. just because something really happened in real life doesn't make it good drama. My whole day happened in real life today and no one wants to watch a show about it. You know, <laughs> there are way more compelling ways to uh, express what they want to express. And the thing is, is after that scene, I don't know what they're trying to express. I don't know what where mm-hmm. this is at all. And it's fine to have some mystery, but to have complete ambiguity, I feel like is not great at this point. It's so funny, though, to have that line at the top where she's like, and they call us savages. And, it, we're, you know, everyone was like, oof, who wrote that? You know, yeah, Michael, totally. Michael, this is like Michael Bay doing the 60s, you know, like, <laughs> what? But then I felt really guilty reading that a real lady said that. That line is straight from Avatar by James Cameron. So. It totally is. Totally. Totally. And they call us savages. <laughs> That's straight out of Avatar. But it turns out a real lady said it. I feel so bad. Probably because she had just seen a Tarzan movie. Like, come on. Totally. Like, it's not a good line. Oh, God. Not at all. I thought that that whole first scene was just, like... Earnest, earnest, and and silly, and I don't know. Do you think it was just like so much pressure to deal with race that he is like, okay, okay, fine, I'm gonna open the season with this. I mean, here's uh, the part I like: the idea that the advertising agencies in New York, the hottest agencies, could get into sort of this cynical, jokey thing, battle with each other over something as serious as racism is interesting. You know what I mean? And it does. Yeah. It's this big joke to them. And you can tell that while the country and other folks are taking this very seriously, it has very huge implications for the country and the future of the country. And I'm sure, you know, people are, whether you disagree or agree, people have very strong feelings on civil rights. And yet these like, mad men of you know the advertising world are considered a total joke like it means nothing to them you know well i hated i hated the opening but i loved the ending i mean i just loved that whole thing that that because of that stupid ass ad they put in they have an entire um reception area full of black job applicants and they all have to go out there and be seriously uncomfortable and deal with this completely in their face yeah it goes to Megan it was super great it goes to Megan's line around how cynical this world is and I think what I think they're getting at and what Matthew Weiner is getting at is that their cynicism won't protect them from these genuinely disturbing things that are occurring in the world around them you know Mm -hmm. I predict Dawn is going to have a black secretary and I predict that they will be Peggy's new best friend (laughs) <laughs> and Harry oh, Crane yeah. will try to date her. God, he's so bad at picking up women. I kind of love scenes where he's trying to do it. It's like, whoa, he's just awful at this. He's well, just this awful. Actually, this brings us to the next topic that we should hit up, which is the party. And that had an African-American uh, gay man, mm-hmm. I think, based on terrible stereotypes of gay people. I'm so at the party, there's kind of this avant-garde group, you know, the African-American gay guy and a lady in feathers. <laughs> so edgy. 
<laughs> and there's also, you know, all of Don's coworkers, Don and Megan's coworkers, um, piled into Don's incredibly swanky, awesome apartment. And many, I, I think one thing Mad Men does really well, and I will defend it even in an episode like this that's kind of mediocre. I love parties on Mad Men. Totally. Yeah. And it was so awkward, her singing that song. I mean, I don't, just don't know how you could ever think that would be a good idea to show half of your butt to all your coworkers. <laughs> well, she thinks she's Nancy Sinatra, you know, and she's not. So, mm -mm. and even Nancy Sinatra might feel a little awkward doing an entire number in French in front of people who don't know what the lyrics are. That but. song is such an earworm. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah i mean everyone at work hates me because i keep singing it and then they're like oh, i just got it out of my mind i have to say though it's a pretty brilliant scene like the whole party scene is pretty great and the and her singing that was that was probably the most stunning part of the episode i mean where did that idea come from it's kind stunning of stunning and stunning and jaw-dropping and like what you know yeah i like the risk taking even when i'm not 100 percent on board with the result for sure totally as as someone who goes to office parties or office functions i pretty much live for someone making a fool out of themselves because of the gossip the next day and so i totally related to the to the ad folks because I would have been like, this is amazing. I <laughs> love that this is happening. Sort of parallel with the um, the opening scene that has dialogue that's too on the nose. I can't believe they really did a scene where it's like, she's right behind me, isn't she? Which is like the ultimate don't do it comedy thing. Uh, totally. Anyway, I just had to say that like that was my moment as a writer where I was like, why? There's way better ways. You should have someone actually tell her that he said that, not have her walk in conveniently. But anyway. Um, but she never tells on him. She doesn't tell anyone. Yeah. She's just using it as fuel for her sex games. So. <laughs> yeah, she's busy, <laughs> she's busy giving Peggy a hard time for something she really needs to let go of. And Patty, it, Peggy is, I believe, her boss. And... Mm -hmm perfectly lovely so. person to her and dude she's can like I haranguing guys, her someone who reported to me was married was married to my boss and then told me that she didn't feel good and she was going home i'd be so frustrated i'd punch her in the face yeah how do you feel now yeah <laughs> that's what i would do i don't know what peggy can do i i feel bad for her I'm very glad that she has Abe in her life. I'm happy that Abe is still in the picture because I love Abe. There was, I was a little skeptical about Abe, but there's a little um, exchange that they have at the party where Peggy makes awkward comments about um, having botched the Heinz pitch and needing to go back and do it, which, you know, she blames Dawn for the fact that it didn't go well in the first place. And, <laughs> and Dawn and Megan walk away and Abe's like, uh, or Peggy asks him, did I do something wrong? And he's like, how the hell should I know? I'm always making comments like that. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't really like you at first, Abe, but now I kind of get it. I kind of get why Peggy's with you. Yeah, yeah they're kind of cute. His name's Abe. They're great. 
It was fun at the party having everybody there with their spouses. You don't often see that. They're kind of these separate worlds that they inhabit. So it was kind of fun having everybody there with their significant others. Yeah, you could tell people were like, wow, so Don Draper, he's really changed. You know, he's got this young wife who's dancing for us <laughs> at this apartment. I think they were all like, like who is Don? Yeah, it's kind of ironic. Like before it was like, who is Don Draper? But it's still like, who the hell is Don Draper still, you know? I'm just more interested in who is Peggy and who is Pete. I don't know. That's where I'm going. I want to hear. I want to see more of them. And Joan, I want to see more Joan. Joan. I love Joan in this episode. It was, oh my God, when she's like, oh, do I have to ask permission? What? Yeah. Oh, her mom's like, he won't allow you to work. She goes, allow me. Oh, that's what it was. And it was just like. <laughs> With the like Beyonce head roll almost like. Oh my God. I really wanted to be like, you go girl. <laughs> totally. Uh, there's never too much Joan. I don't think there's such a thing as too much Joan. No, we could totally have the Pete, Joan, Peggy show, and I think everyone would be happy. Do you think she enjoys being a mom? She seemed so ready to get back to the office, and it just seemed like that was really gratifying to her to have that be part of her personality. I almost felt bad that she had to go home and deal with the baby. I think she seemed genuinely fond of the baby and like she really liked him, but that her frustration is that there is no mechanism to make the worlds work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very modern storyline, honestly. Yeah. I like it. And then when she comes into the office, though, I love her swagger. She's just like, I'm going to push this stroller in there, show my face, and remind them who's boss. And the girl at the front desk. (laughs) She's like, oh, yeah, Joan, you. I totally heard about you to like, oh my God. And I do love the conversation with her and Lane. It's just, I love, I, ever since last season, I love their partnership that they're both no nonsense and they both work the company in different ways. She's basically COO. She's like the chief operations officer. I mean, and it's great that they'd be lost without her and they know it. It's awesome. Yeah, with her and Lane is a great scene, although, again, we sort of get these moments of clunky writing that I'm frustrated by where, um, you know, she all of a sudden she's making comments about how handsome Dawn is and this and that, and it's like, these are way too, like, blatant things for anyone to be saying, and especially for Joan to be saying, because she just, she's not going to make that kind of comment. I don't, I don't care. Not about Dawn. Brandy, I totally thought that when she said that, that was so jarring. It like knocked me out of the the world they were getting me, absorbing me into because I'm like, what? Joan wouldn't. Well, the say point that. of it seemed to be to emphasize Lane's issues with his own inability to be a swaggery guy, but it just it shouldn't have been coming from Joan's mouth. If they needed that line, it should have been coming from some random ass secretary, not from her. Totally. totally. This is, again, this is this thing where it seems like a pilot and all of the characters are somehow altered in some way. And yeah, uh, yeah Joan is behaving. Uh, that's just a weird thing. But I, I got to say that even from, from the middle of last season, there's been some weird chemistry between Joan and Don. Oh, from I just the don't Cleos. want them to go there. I don't want them to go there either, but 
there's something. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just both confident enough or I can't put my finger on it, but there's definitely there's always definitely been this thing between them. That's I mean, I think it's good. I like it, but I don't want to. I know what you're talking about. I definitely the episode where they go to the Cleos. I remember that. Right. Um, I mean, I kind of always took it as like we both know we're having good sex. So, <laughs> you know. Look at these poor fools. We know how to do it, you know, but I don't really want to do it with you, but I know we both got it good kind of thing. Did you guys catch that cheesy line from Joan to the dummy secretary at the front about, I used to know someone who came from nothing and now she has it all. Was she talking about Peggy? Megan. No. Megan, Megan. used to sit at the front. I thought she was talking about Jane. Uh, no, Megan was the receptionist. She was the front Remember? at the front, which is like the worst job, and that's where. Yeah, Megan you're started. right. You're right. But I didn't. I didn't remember that because she was so unmemorable. I'd like to talk about how incredibly creepy Lane was when he was talking on the phone to Dolores. His face, his his expression, his words. It was just so creepy. I I really like Lane the character, but. Oh, yeah. him, Harry was creepy. Don is creepy. All these men are so creepy in this episode. Like salivating, lecherous. Beth. Lane is so creepy. I mean, I just kind of kept feeling like he was going to masturbate to that picture in his office. No. It was really uncomfortable. It reminded me of that Sex in the City episode with the foot fetish guy when Charlotte goes and yeah. tries on all those shoes. Ew. You guys you like that I think they even have the same glasses. <laughs> I think they have the same tooth gap. So wait, where where's this coming from? Where'd this come from? With he Lenny? couldn't keep his chocolate bunny, so mm-hmm. his wife is back, his frigid angry wife. I was confused because at the party they seemed like they were kind of having fun together and I know that they talked about like things that were alluding to money problems which stresses people out or whatever but they were joking around at the party to the point where I was like oh maybe Rebecca's really like coming around in New York life maybe they're going to be okay and then slam Dolores I mean so weird. So, I mean, I wanted to say something about the pacing of this episode, which I feel like is it's weird that it's so slow because the director, Jennifer Getzinger, she has directed a bunch of very amazing episodes of Mad Men, including um, The Good News, where uh, Dawn is in California and hears about Anna's health mm-hmm. and The Suitcase. She directed The Suitcase. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, um, it's and she directed the Gypsy and the Hobo, where Don has to confess to Betty about his identity. So lots of tricky, wow. tricky episodes, and yet I feel like something went wrong here. I mean, I didn't hate the episode; I liked it more the second time I watched it, and I was sort of like paying attention to the dialogue rather than the hype. But it's still very slow and and strange. It made me nervous for the season, for sure. I. I don't know. I'm confused by the direction of some of the characters and I don't know. I wanted more guts. I just felt so boring. It felt flat. It was a very flat episode and I just wanted something gutsy. We've been waiting two years. Let's just hit it, you know? And it just felt very like, eh, felt very season one. I don't know. It just felt old. It's kind of- 
kind of why Zooby Dooby Doo or whatever stood out so much because everything's so slow and to have this like dance routine in the middle was crazy. So that concludes uh, recapping the premiere episode of season five of Mad Men. I think a very meh episode all in all, but good to see all the characters back. And we will catch up with you all next week when we talk about the second episode. Let's hope it's paced a little bit better, things happen, and Betty's back. And more song and dance routines. Yeah. More Sally. More Sally! More Sally! Hey, more Jean, guys. More Jean. (laughs) We are at MadFems on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and on Tumblr. Car c'est curieux, tu vois, je l'avoue